Hello my friends, this is Sarah from Weird Horizon, where we explore topics on the spooky, the esoteric, the countercultural, and the just plain weird. And today we're going to be starting a new series, revisiting an area we have covered before in the past, but where the situation has evolved somewhat. So if you joined me in the past on the series on cyberculture, we have talked quite a bit about the internet and the theories around it. Namely the concept that it had the potential for some degree of sentient, being that it is at its core a web of interconnected beings interacting. Cyber communities in various forms have been asking these questions for some time. Whether the internet with its structure, in some ways similar to a brain, can have the same capabilities as a brain. Or will interconnected technology more broadly wake up into sentience. We also looked into the theory that this had already happened and that the internet we experience today is this sentient being now dead or dead internet theory. But funnily enough when I wrote that series I was entrenched in this late 90s utopian or dystopian writing of a future just always over the horizon. But writing this today, I have the weird feeling that that future might actually be here and that we might just be in the privileged position of living through a technological revolution. We might be about to experience the same kind of paradigm shift as those living through the Industrial Revolution. And if futurologists are to be believed, we might be the first and last generation to see humans usurped from our position as the most intelligent beings by our own metrics on the planet. And usurped by beings of our own creation, being our own gods and our own destruction. Which is just neat, isn't it? Lovely. Love that. Um... So if you haven't gathered by now, today we are going to be taking a deeper look at AI, artificial intelligence, and machine intelligence in general. So I think for all our sanity's sake, it is best if we just dive right in and start trying to figure out, is this all as big of a deal as it's made out to be? Will this change forever what it means to be a human? For now, let's get on with it. So what is AI or artificial intelligence? So Marvin Minsky, father of AI, inventor and developer of the first neural network device in the 1950s, gave this definition of artificial intelligence. AI is the science of making machines do things that would require intelligence if done by humans. So arguably, Minsky was the first to turn the power of computers and mathematics to the task of modelling and understanding the functions of the brain. To quote from a biography of his, he was among the first to see that a human could be more than a glorified adding machine, that machines could learn, reason, offer suggestions, and perform any number of tasks that until then had been the sole jurisdiction of the human being. Now this is a viewpoint that many of us now take as a given, 
even if we hold in counter to this a belief that human brains have a level of authenticity or innate humanity that makes them valuable. Few people would make the argument today that computers will never be able to perform any number of human-like tasks. We simply draw the distinction between the work that they can do and the work that we can do and have this sort of assumption that our work is innately better in some ways. But Minsky's work in modelling the process of human thought laid the foundation for the field that would come to be known as artificial intelligence. In his time with MIT, Minsky would not only help coalesce the field of AI and bring together many of the leading names in the field, but the AI lab he founded became a centre for research and one cemented on the free sharing of research and information and the open source movement. The lab also helped with the initial development of ARPANET, which would later become the modern internet as we know it. In his 1969 book, Perceptrons, an introduction to computational geometry, Minsky and his colleague Seymour Papert assessed AI research as it stood at this point and summarised that in their view, AI research would be better served by pursuing symbolic systems for learning and data retrieval instead of neural networks for the same. This rift in approach, symbolic systems versus neural networks, would persist as a debate within the AI community essentially on the best way to model intelligence, based on two different ideas of what intelligence is. We will talk about both of these as we go on, but I want to make the point from the outset that there can be many ways we judge and interpret intelligence, and this has also been a debate within the field of AI since its inception. Now, Minsky's view on this debate changed throughout his lifetime, as has the field generally. But we are going to have to skim over a lot for time today. But let's look at where we are now, a point in time in which many are claiming we are starting to see evidence of true artificial intelligence. In Mark Derry's Escape Velocity Cyberculture at the End of the Century, which I quoted extensively in my series on cyberculture, he references the 90s theories of when this technological feat will happen and what will be the outcome. Moravec predicts the creation of human-level machine intelligence by 2010, a development he contends will catalyse quantum leaps in robot evolution, leading ultimately to a universe watched over by godlike machines. Hans Moravec being known for his work in robotics, his writings on machine intelligence and transhumanism, and adjunct professor of the Robotics Institute at Carnegie Mellon. The future, Moravec predicts, is a familiar one, one we hear echoed in headlines every day. How soon there will be no job people can do better than robots. But for Moravec, this is not necessarily as alarmist as it sounds. He posits that humans simply aren't best suited to the world that we live in. To quote again, We can change ourselves, he says, and we can also build new children who are properly suited for the new conditions. Robot children. 
Now this 1995 Wired article again betrays this distance I'm so used to reading about with AI. The idea that it may affect the lives of our children one day. Close enough that we might see it, but always realistically one generation away. But in the words of experts in the field of AI, for the first time in its history, AI is starting to have real-world impact. As more of our lives and interactions are being driven algorithmically, machine learning and narrow AI applications have become embedded into our culture. But only very recently, with open access to resources such as ChatGPT, have the general public been able to interact directly with machine intelligence. And almost immediately, its potential to replace humans in certain fields became clear. But the big question is, are we right now dealing with something truly intelligent? In general, we are asking the question of whether we are looking at narrow AI or general AI. Many programs are able to do things humans cannot, many being termed narrow AI. But the AI many truly fear will upend society will be the development of general AI, an AI with the reasoning and adaptability of humans, or human-level AI. So are we looking at general AI? There are a number of ways we can test that based on its outputs, and some many of us have been intuitively testing with ChatGPT in our work with it, including but not limited to, does it talk like a human, behave like a human, think like a human or learn like a human and the last two of course are subtly different although entwined. So how do we judge if something talks like a human? One approach I know you've all heard of is the legendary Turing test. This test is based on the classical idea of AI, of AI proving its intelligence through its output rather than the how and why of it reaching said outputs. An entity would pass the Turing test if it was able to act like a human in a way indistinguishable as a machine by another human. Mathematician and computer pioneer Alan Turing outlined the basis of his theory in the 1950 paper Computing Machinery and Intelligence. In this test, a human subject would interact with two entities via a text readout on a screen, one respondent being another human, one being an AI. The idea behind this test being, if after five minutes of interrogation, the human is able to tell the human respondent from the machine one. If they are able to, then the test has failed. If they are unable to, then the AI could be said to have passed the Turing test and to be indistinguishable from a human to another human. There have been programs claiming to have passed said test. However, problems arise in how to set up this test fairly. So many of the recent attempts to the test were organised by universities with the participants perhaps having some indication of what was being tested for, and therefore 
almost certainly this having an effect on the output of the test. For instance, in June 2014, AI Eugene Guzman reportedly passed the Turing test against a panel of 30 judges at the University of Reading. But the passing of the test sparked even more questions about the AI itself, namely whether it was truly intelligent or merely replicating intelligence. But for many, the question misses the point, such as Peter Norvig, author of Artificial Intelligence, A Modern Approach. In his words, to quote, Some people have thought of it as duplicating a human brain. I tend to think of it more as just building something that works. Or, to quote an article for Artificial Intelligence Plus, The goal of AI is not to create something that is exactly like a human, Rather, it is to create something that can perform tasks that humans can do. And in the tasks of natural language processes, few would argue that AI hasn't made great strides recently in tasks thought to be ordinarily only within human capabilities, and has done so with programs far from human, but able to caption, transcribe, translate, and summarize with an efficiency and efficacy as to see it have real-world use. But what about understanding? Does simply talking like a human imply human-level understanding? A classical thought experiment on this subject is Searle's Chinese Room Conundrum. The experiment goes as follows. You have a computer sealed in a room that uses a series of programmed processes to take one Chinese character as inputs and output other Chinese characters. Suppose it can do so with the speed necessary to fool a native Chinese speaker outside the room that they are talking with another Chinese speaker. Does that mean the computer understands Chinese? It would have, in effect, passed the Turing test, but does that in itself imply understanding. Putting it another way, Searle asks, say a human were trapped in the room with no knowledge of Chinese, but a series of boxes containing Chinese characters, in effect a physical database, as well as the same instructions the computer used to manipulate one symbol into another to create their outputs. If they could convince someone on the other side of the door that they were a native Chinese speaker, would they themselves understand Chinese? Searle argues that the thought experiment underscores the fact that computers merely use syntactic rules to manipulate symbol strings, but have no understanding of meaning or semantics. And this idea of manipulating an input to get an output with no real understanding of the intermediary steps is a concept as old as engineering itself, a concept many hail as the future of AI. The future of AI points in many, many directions, I will point out. But this concept being cybernetics. Quote, In general, cybernetics tells us how systems control themselves and can take actions autonomously based on environmental signals, even when the information is minimal and subject to significant uncertainty or noise. 
So cybernetics has been hailed as a saviour for the development of AI, as robotics and the development of human-like machines have often been hampered by the desire to feed it too much information, to make the brain too big, leading to robotic creations amounting to a slow brain on a trolley. But the most useful application of cybernetics is not the refuting of the assumption that human-level intelligence requires a brain of human-like complexity, but more the idea that the relationship between the input and the output can, and maybe should, be a kind of black box. To quote, The cybernetic principle the engineers discovered is a general one. If all the variables are tightly coupled and if you can truly manipulate one of them in all of its freedoms, then you can indirectly control all of them. And how the system finds agreement at any one moment is beyond human knowing, and more importantly, not worth knowing. So if an AI can speak like a human and convince another human of its humanity, one theory with AI is... Does it matter if it doesn't understand why? Does it matter if we don't understand why? If the system finds agreement between its input and output and the reason is beyond human understanding, is this a problem? So currently ChatGPT, as we know it, as a natural language processing AI trained on a huge library of pre-existing content on the internet, As it exists in this moment, the program is used to process questions written in natural language, meaning the user can interact with it in the same way it would a person, including having some capability of remembering and drawing from new information given to it from the user. Currently, its output is just text and has to be accessed as a chatbot, so it's currently impossible to interact with it without knowing you are not talking to a human. But I'm sure it will be embedded into things almost immediately, if it has not already, meaning more and more people will come across this natural language processing AI with the doubt as to whether they are talking to a human or not. ChatGPT is also limited in that it was trained on a data pool which is now a few years old. So it cannot currently react to in-the-moment events in a way that a human could. However, it was created with a rationale of understanding syntax and semantics, understanding the intention behind text inputs when the end user is not the most adept at articulating to a machine exactly what they want. So the method of training the AI was adapted to this task, using non-supervised pre-training, in that the huge intended data set, basically a sample of the entire internet, would not be feasible to be labelled and weighted by humans, even as an initial input. So machine learning broadly is done in a few ways, with levels of human supervision and feedback, usually related to the task at hand. If the task is narrow, more human feedback may be feasible. If it is broad, less is feasible. A very quick explanation from ZDNet 
The transformer architecture is a type of neural network that is used for processing natural language data. The transformer architecture processes sequences of words by using self-attention to weight the importance of different words in a sequence when making predictions. Similar to the way a reader might look back at a previous sentence or paragraph for the context needed to understand a new word in a book. The transformer looks at all the words in a sequence to understand the context and the relationships between the words. And for a model of this kind, the more information is better, the better the understanding between the words. But is this understanding in the ways that humans would understand? And does it even matter if it is? Just as an aside... Coming across an article with someone doing a gotcha, this was written by an AI, has already gotten so old (laughs) and I've come across it so many times in researching for this and it speaks more to the slapdash nature of a lot of article writing on the web than it does for the abilities of chat GPT but still it is so old, it is so lazy, it just keeps happening to me and I had to say something about it. But I know this is a very, very brief instruction, but we will leave it here for now. We have barely even started, and I know I have been away for a while, but by my estimates, I'd say we have laid a good foundation that we can carry on from next week. We have started to think about the tests we use for AI, what these mean, whether something purely talking as a human implies understanding or whether this idea of something needing to understand what it's saying, whether this even matters in the context of intelligence. There are so many different ways to think about intelligence and to try to gauge whether something is intelligent by our own metrics by our own human metrics. And we will carry on going through these different ways of testing for human-like outputs. So today we have already really talked about whether something talks as a human, but we will be diving more into the different other ways of challenging and other ways of testing AI being human-like behavior, human-like thoughts, and human-like learning and adaptability. We are going to be here for a a while, I'm very sorry. So I hope that you like this kind of topic. It is a strange one and there's going to be a lot of theory that's going to be sort of chucked out initially, but I hope it will all make a bit more sense in the end. I know I've been threatening it for a while, but once this is done, I will upload this series in one long-form format for people to fall asleep to and wake up paranoid and terrified um so if that's something that you like the sound of let me know but next week we'll talk a little bit more about other ways of judging general ai i.e does something behave like a human does it think like a human does it learn like a human we will be talking about concepts that break down the ideas of our own humanity the primacy of the human brain and the perhaps foolish idea that there is nothing more to humans than our electrified meat would imply. We are going to be going full tilt into transhumanism, 
the politics and philosophy of AI and cyborgs, and trying to find out where a human might stand if everything goes the way people say it will. So please join me there. In the meantime, you can find me wherever you consume your podcasts, and you can chat with me on Twitter as Weird Horizon and on Instagram as Weird Horizon Podcasts. Once again, I'm still here, I'm still going, I'm still slow, but I'm still here. Much love as always, but for now, bye.